Hey guys, it's Liz. And this is Bree, and welcome to Brash Bookish Bitches, where we discuss the bookish community and its latest controversies. We'll cover all the hot book drops that are coming out this year, from your favorite indie authors, as well as review other traditional authors. We'll learn all the bookish lingo with you, and investigate the questions everyone's dying to know. How the hell do you write a book? We don't know. <laughs> so welcome to a sanctuary for Brash Bookish Bitches. Let's get into this. Hi, everyone. Sorry for the the vanishing act, but we did bring a guest to make up for it. Yeah, we did. Hello. Why don't you introduce yourself, lovely guest? Um, I am Carissa Hardcastle, and I wrote Leaves May Fall, um, which is a, a high fantasy adventure with action and romance. You know, I think that does nail it. Later on, I'm going to ask you to describe, I think, do I just, I think I ask you to describe book two in three words. So um, Perfect. keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that did pretty good for uh, book one. <laughs> yeah. And that's basically, basically me. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So Liz, should we uh, talk about how we know Car? <laughs> Yes, so we we know Kara through our Discord chat. Um, we became friends in the Heathen Discord, and we I think when we met you, Kara, you were in the early stages of writing Leaves May Fall. Mm-hmm. Yes, that does that does sound right. You guys were there for a lot of the. Because when did you guys join the Discord? It was like winter last year, right? This time last year, more or less, like. Yeah. I, yeah. So, so I was once. Yeah. Yeah. So I was still, still heavily drafting and um, trying to figure out what these people wanted me to, what story they wanted me to tell. <laughs> Which is really fun, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Isn't it was that? a headache. <laughs> yeah. No, it was miserable, but I, I like loved it still. <laughs> in such depression mode right now, because I feel like I'm just like, can we just yeah. finish this? fucking thing like can we just on. can you just do what do <laughs> tell me what to do because i uh, yeah yeah finishing well, a first draft is the biggest pain in the butt i'm like stalling so hard too i'm like five chapters out and i'm like why can i just not finish this fucking no, that was thing? the last five chapters of leaves i had literally five chapters left in the outline to write and those took almost a month because i was like what no, I can't write the end of this. And I'm like, why? I told myself that I was going to get caught up to like chapter 16 in writing because I have a couple gaps of like chapters that haven't been written yet by the end of the month. And um, let's not get cocky, Liz. Like, calm down. You've barely been writing. Let's be honest. I feel like I've been doing a lot of like, stuff that is helpful 
but it's not helpful for finishing the first draft in the least. Like I keep writing <laughs> random scenes. Yeah, I just open up a, a blank doc and I'm like, this would be good. Stuff's coming together, but oh God. Yeah. I did write like a really emotional scene that I'm like, I don't know where it's going to go, but it's going to go somewhere. Because my main character is drunk and nesting and in, like just Uncle wallowing in her sadness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think it'll be funny and a good like moment. It will but be anyways, <laughs> we have chaos to discuss. Carr, tell us a bit about what's going on in your life right now. Obviously, you're writing book two, which... Well, yes. Yeah, uh, we'll so book two that. is also, yeah, um, it's it's going ish. It is again at that stage of like I have four chapters left to finish, so they may or may not happen. We'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what they want to do. But outside book of writing two happens stuff, so fast. <laughs> yes, I and like I don't. I'm not sure. So I don't quickly. think that there's a story. I am very confused about what's in there because I have not gone back and read it. Oh. Um, but yeah, outside of writing, um, a lot of work ish the past three months. Um, and this is the last third of the month I've been on a night shift. So working either three to 11 or four to midnight. And for whatever reason that has just like completely drained me. Yeah, it <laughs> It's does. not hard work. It's just like the flip flop from a morning to night, but then in January, oh, I go yeah, back that's to days. So yeah, yeah and then I feel bad because like oh yeah yeah <laughs> we get it <laughs> I think it's harder to go from nights to days because you get used to staying up so late and then you have to like reset yeah. your body I think uh. that is the worst yes well trying to stay awake on days when you're like not working is nearly impossible in my experience <laughs> I don't know about you Liz but I napped a lot it's when you transition from nights to days or days to nights? From, like, so I worked four on, one off, two on, twelves. And then I had six days off. So I would, like... Yeah, your schedule's all sorts of off. fuckered, my friend. Yeah, well, it's so good now because I'm day shift, so I'm more, like, spread out. I feel like I have so much more time, mm -hmm. but my days off were, like, useless as a total zombie. That's how I felt. I, that's... But. I try and keep my schedule the exact same for that reason. So I only work Wednesday to Friday and then I'm on call like every other Saturday. Um, the only day that really wrecks me is like coming the day that I come off and it's like the start of my weekend. And then I feel really tired. But otherwise, my sleep schedule is so fucked to begin with that, like, I can fall asleep at any hour. A child that kind of fucks your sleep schedule up. Like, yeah. Right <laughs> What's your uh, chaos? I didn't do weekly. Oh, God. That seems a Yeah, bit. monthly. <laughs> the last few months. Try monthly. Um, yeah. Work's been crazy. We're um, our bill. So we have a sister facility in the next town over. And we're transitioning. So our building's going to be full long-term care instead of um, long-term, short-term, like a mix. And then the sister facility is going to be short-term care. So right now we're not accepting any new residents and it's fine. But in January, they're going to try and admit 40 residents in a month. So 10 Jeez. residents every week. And I'm not looking forward to it. And so we're getting their long-term residents. And then I think they're taking some of our short-term residents. Um, 
And I, yeah, I'm not. The plan is to like fill the entire building and be at capacity. And I'm just like kind of scratching my head. Like, I hope you get the staff to aptly prepare for 40 new residents because you don't even have enough staff for the residents we have now. Yeah. Sounds like a lot. Sounds like yeah. Healthcare. <laughs> Welcome to healthcare. Yeah. Especially like nursing facilities. Yeah. Oh, oh my, God. oh my God. I have something to show and tell, though. I did bring something to show and tell. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this brought me so much joy today. This was like the good thing of my day. So, um, as it's been aforementioned on this podcast, I am a fan of learning about cults today yes you are (laughs) (laughs) we were over at my fiance's grandparents house and his aunt was there and she had a piece of mail from the one the only church of scientology she got a handwritten letter as well as one of their free personality tests that has not 25, not 50, not 100, 200 questions on it. Let me read to you some of these questions. I was so excited. I didn't tell either of you about this because I wanted to just, (laughs) I wanted it to be a surprise. So one of the, question 88. If you were invading another country, (laughs) would you feel sympathetic towards the conscientious objectors of this country? And then you get questions like question 97. Do you sleep well? <laughs> Why? That seems like, like question. While I'm invading countries, do I sleep well or do I just sleep well regardless of whether just, or not I'm that's invading? That's just one of the questions. So yeah. here's here's the thing that they give. It like when Christian's grandma brought out this piece of mail, she and she said Scientology, my head immediately perked. This is the handwritten letter she received. I'm going to keep her name anonymous because I mean, I told her it was go- this was going on the podcast. Um, let's change her name. Dear Jean, almost 20 years ago, you bought some Scientology materials. Don't you think it's time for a new quote-unquote read? We have lots of books and materials that can help you solve any problem they come up against. So call us. Thanks. And a signature that is entirely illegible. This whole handwritten note is whoever this person is has terrible handwriting. Um, and it's from the Anchorage branch of the mission. And here's the instructions for your personality test. Answer every question as to how you feel right now. Do not stay too long with any one question. So don't like think about what we're asking you. Just do it. Follow it like a good little sheep. Um, answer as soon as you understand and then go on to the next question. The accuracy of your results depends on the truthfulness of your answers. And you get like three bubbles that you can fill in how you feel in regards to your answer. And where is the key? You get definitely yes or mostly yes, maybe or uncertain, definitely no or mostly no. And then when you finish the 200 questionnaire congratulations on you no i flipped it (laughs) okay the other side 
It's a big boy. <laughs> no one can top this wingspan, okay? <laughs> As ain't got shit on me right now. Congratulations on completing your OCA test. Final step. To get your results immediately, bring this completed form to your local Church of Scientology today. You will get your free one-on-one analysis and consultation, so an EM. Or tape this booklet shut, fill in your contact details, and mail it to us for free using the business reply provided. We will contact you to schedule an appointment. So for those of us who are unfamiliar with the methodology of Scientology, let me tell you. Because it's a lot. So essentially, (laughs) this made my day, okay? This is the first piece of cult material that I've ever got to hold on my hands. And she said I could keep it. And I'm definitely keeping it. I really considered. I have a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. looking at me since the very beginning of this story. So she bought some Scientology materials like 20 years ago. Like, what's the Apparently, story but that? she doesn't remember it. She was 21. Okay. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. I was like, it was probably at like a fair or something, and they were passing out stuff. And like at the time, people didn't know that Scientology was a cult. They just thought it was like a religious organization deemed to save the world by fixing you with all of your problems. So, like, at the time, yeah. it wasn't known as the harmful group it is now. Yeah, that is kind of creepy, to be honest. I find that a isn't it. Creepy. <laughs> well, because they they keep everything. They handwrite records. Like they have a whole vault of re- like any EMs that are recorded. Like if Brie, if you What's and an I EM? were in this cult, an EM. It's called. Um, hold on, let me Google it so I get the words right. It's essentially like a therapy session, but a really oh. fucked up therapy session. A s- hold on. It's like how they get you sucked in, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. They have. So you go in to get your EM and it's uh, you get set down with an e-meter, which is kind of it kind of looks like a lie detector thing. And it's supposed to tell your moderator who's giving you this session if you're being honest and if you're being truthful. Uh, it stands for electropsychometer. And according to Scientology's website, uh, it is a religious artifact used as a spiritual guide for in auditing. It is for use only by a Scientology minister or a Scientology minister in training to help pre-clear, locate, and confront areas of spiritual upset. Um, so, yeah, it's just basically to force you to give them the answers that you... So they'll, like, try and make you admit to all the terrible things you've done in this life and your past lives because they believe in past lives. Um, if you're the government, they are a church. If you're not the government, they are not a church because they want that tax exemption status. Anyways, I've derailed so far <laughs> from what this is supposed to be. I was just really excited to share this. Because I really wanted. I'm not at all surprised. This is like. I'm very excited about your excitement over the cult activity. I'm fascinated. Okay, so chaos. Anything else, Car or Liz, that you would like to add to your chaos? Yeah. Fuck the snow. Yeah. Oh, so you can send it to me. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I I live for it. I am obsessed with the snow. 
and all mine keeps melting. But it'll come. My snow comes in February and March. I'm just yeah. impatient. I, we I don't even. We haven't gotten a lot of snow lately, like this we year. Got just dumped on recently, and uh-huh. I like it a lot. We bought ski passes. I'm stoked. Whatever. But I hate driving in it, and I have a pretty nice commute across like a mountain pass. So hell uh, yeah, yeah, that'll change things. That'll yeah, change I'm pretty things. sure I'm night blind. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I gotta drive in the dark because the sun rises at ten and sets at like three thirty now. Oh, that's so. Awful. Yeah, that'll do it. So Girl, horrible. Phoenix was the best time of my life. I got to drink wow. prosecco in a hot tub. <laughs> I got to be around my favorite people. I got to live. Check something off my bucket list, which is feed a fucking giraffe. Oh my god! <laughs> I had okay, the best time of, of my this- life. Why did we go to Phoenix? We should probably like, tell people. Ah! <laughs> Why did we go to Phoenix? You might be inquiring because okay. we're all people on the internet who who uh, wanted to see our friends and we wanted to see their legs. So um, Cass, who you may recall, has been on this podcast. She wrote Betrayer Blood uh, was coming to the States from Australia and there are a couple people who live in Arizona and we were like, yo, why don't we just all rent out an Airbnb house and meet? Oh, and yeah. so we went, we came, we conquered, we drank a lot. So Carl, so, what was your favorite part of the heathen retreat? Oh, just like, it's so fun. Like, okay. Cause it was a lot of people and there are times when that, that still was really <laughs> overwhelming, but for yeah. the yes. most part, like, Because I think there were, what, like, 14 people sleeping Mm -hmm. in that house Mm -hmm. that were there the Mm -hmm. whole time. But it was never once, never once did it ever feel, like, socially draining. Like, we could all scamper off to our own corners. Like, you could feel free to pull out a laptop or a book or whatever (laughs) at any time. Like, we were all very of the same mindset of, like, okay, I'm done socializing. I'm going to be here. And everyone was chill with it. Like, you didn't feel the need to apologize or be like, I'm going away. (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, that was totally. great, like, how it wasn't entirely socially draining. And it never felt isolating either. Like, I never felt like, oh, oh it's, like, me and then everyone else. Like, yeah. if I was done with a conversation and I didn't want to have that conversation anymore, I could literally just do a 180 and be like, y'all are talking about, is it bestiality? I can hop into that conversation. Like, so, let's go. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I what was your favorite part, Brie? Definitely, like, similar vibes to what Car was saying. It felt very easy in a lot of ways. Like, I was tired, but, like, for, like, in a good way, not in a, like, I was drained way. Like, I felt my cup yeah. was filled when I left, you know? Like, just felt, it felt good. And it was nice to be around people that have the, of the same mindset in a lot of ways, um, which isn't always the case in life, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I yeah I really enjoyed like there were times where we there would be like a bunch of us or maybe even all of us just sitting and writing and I would look up and I'd be like this is what we've been talking about for so long and like like I felt I I had permission not even permission like I didn't even need to ask I could just be my whole self and I never had to worry that I was too much because as a person with social anxiety like that's something I constantly worry about and like especially in Alaska I don't really have a lot of friends I have people that I'm friends with at work but like really not with them outside of work I have like two 
friends at my work that I would totally hang out with. Hi, Persephone and Azalea. Uh, <laughs> that I would totally hang out with outside of work. Um, but like I could talk about my kid. That was one thing. I never felt like, oh God, she's the 22 year old who like, she's gonna talk about her kid. I could talk about her and it was fine, but I could also talk about like the shit that actually makes Liz Liz outside of just being a parent. Um, so yeah. that was really nice. Yeah. Cause I haven't got to do, I feel like I haven't got to do that in a while. And uh, being in the pool, that was fucking great. Yeah, that was the fun. Food. <laughs> Oh, the no, there's, there's my second favorite thing. Second favorite thing about Phoenix was the oranges. And I don't know why. I don't know why they aren't the in grocery stores. And if you don't know what a orange is, it is, it looks like a lime, but much bigger because it's not a lime. It's an orange that has not turned orange yet. And the fruit inside is the most tasty thing mm. you will ever eat in your entire life. Does it ever? So every one of them was perfect. Is it an actual it's orange? Just, it, yeah, it's it like just an orange. orange no, they were literally just oranges, but they had not they they hadn't ripened right. all the way, okay. so the skin was still really green. Yeah, and I we need to get you an orange tree. tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. So much fucking. Yeah, were <laughs> the ones scared. <laughs> so our Airbnb had a wall, like a privacy wall, around it for the neighbors. And listen, the neighbor's tree was reaching over to our side, yeah, so it's I just think technically legally. We had yeah. permission to pick that fruit. I wasn't in it was like yeah, falling we just, off. Yeah, yeah, we weren't like breaking into their property. But Murs and Car were 100% the people climbing to get the fruit for us. Uh, yes. It was it was indeed was delicious. Like, I think it would be orange, really good in a mixed drink. Orange run. Oh, yes. We should. I Yeah. Yeah. They were the most amazing things I'd eaten. The best oranges I have ever tasted in my entire life. And I am now 100% convinced that if you buy an orange where the skin is already orange, it's already gone at that point. It's overripe. You're not supposed <laughs> to eat done. it once it's turned orange. <laughs> it's out. <laughs> yes. The orange. Oh, gosh. How long do you think people ate oranges like that before they realized it turns orange? Here's you know? a question. I don't yeah. know. Hmm. I'm going to say, I'm going to say orange oranges are, that's a modern society thing. That feels like something a white man was like, you know this turns orange and that's better yeah definitely <laughs> it was the white bed <laughs> so what have you guys been reading the past few months oh reading reading what's that what uh, so right <laughs> now i am currently reading technically three things because i do a physical book and an ebook and an audiobook so my physical book is Inkheart by Cornelia Funk, which was my first like major jump into fantasy when I was like 12, 13. Love the trilogy. Story. Have not read it since. So I was like, let me pick it back up. And I am only a couple chapters in, but it still is such a fantastic story. So I'm happy about that. And then on Kindle, I am reading a book called Meat Eaters. It, it is about dinosaurs. And a lot of the POVs. I saw that. No, but it's so amazing because a lot of the POVs. Is it good? Because I thought about reading it. Um, cows or horses, because it takes place like with ranchers and stuff. So you get the ranchers POV, but a lot of it is like this cow named Shirley, like what? right before she gets eaten, or there's this there's one rancher's horse is named Stuart. So you get like his perspective of what's going on. It's weirdly so well written, and it's so enjoyable. Does wow. she fuck the dinosaurs? Because no, I saw no, no, a book no, no, no. that it, I think it comes no. out this month where it is like a dinosaur shifter yeah. romance. And I thought that's what you were talking about. No. 
no, 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 no. This is just, it's just a horror where the dinosaurs <laughs> are eating the cows. Um, and I think they've had a couple people at this point. It's just a horror. And then the audiobook I'm listening to is called Kill Creek. And it is about four authors. They all write horror, but they write different kinds of horror. And they went to a house for a podcast. And then weird stuff started happening (laughs) to them after they left. And I have literally like an hour left in that. So I'm almost finished. But it's been all downhill for them, which has been amazing for me. And you tend to love horror and thriller and mystery, don't you, Car? I I do. I have a penchant for it. Okay. It explains a lot. It does. I could see it. Well, I'm not going to yeah. go into depth with that. I'm just going to leave it at that. But I mean Perfect. it in a loving way. Oh, I, really I, I feel that. Horror. Like, that's not ever something. I'm a I've baby. Really I'll have nightmares. Yeah, I mean, I like, like, movies and stuff, but I've never read nope. much. Yeah. You know what movie freaked me out so much in, like, fifth grade? Coraline. Oh, Yeah. I have a vivid memory of my mom is a special ed teacher and she was doing summer school and my twin and I were helping her and I was at it was one of those fucking old ass oh Apple Mac like thick as a brick computers um and I had my little headphones plugged into the jack and I'm watching the movie I first of all fucking don't like when the old ladies trapeze out of the candy wrappers um, and that was right at the part where I was at and my brother came up behind me and scared me and I tipped back in the chair, it almost took the whole computer with me. And I'm certain that thing would have crushed my skull. Um, and yeah, I don't like scary movies. I couldn't, I could barely do the shining. You know what weird kids movie freaked me the fuck out? This is, this what? is a weird one. And there was, yeah, it was a book. I feel like we read the book in like middle school but the secret rats of nim did you ever see that fucking movie yes no i loved that movie though the secret of nim justin, justin was, was one of my first crushes the mouse oh the, the mouse protector yes. justin one of that was my sexual awakening oh my God. <laughs> at end. like seven years old i was like that mouse yeah the secrets of nim i don't remember i love them gary but or like the, I was I really like the Black Cauldron as a kid, and a lot of people that movie freaked them out as a child. Yeah. Okay, so it was truly the second Secret Rats of Nim movie that really was freaky. But the first one had still had because they like experiment on the rats. It was right? scary. Yeah, they had yeah. like it was a very dark. It was dark. If I had nightmares for years about weird science rats, that is. Definitely an embarrassing story that I just told, but it is true. I love that so much. Fun fact about um, scary children's movies, the Disney film, The Black Cauldron, almost didn't get produced because uh, it was marketed as like too scary for Disney because Disney has a scary scale Um, or like has a has a scale on their movies. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like it was originally portrayed supposed to be like way darker than uh, how it ended. But like that the bad guy is essentially like death reincarnated and he does yeah. almost kill Gurgi. So <laughs> Gurgi gets back brought back with well, the power of friendship, spoiler alert, but <laughs> Gurgi was my favorite classic. character and it's I classic. do his voice sometimes when I'm like talking to people about that movie. Or I try voice? to do his voice. Gurgi voice. I will pay Man just wanted a snack, okay? I relate. Yeah, totally.
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bree, what books have you been reading? Well, I'll start with my weird hockey romance books that I've been reading. <laughs> Don't tell me why. Probably Hell yeah. to escape from reality. But um, as you so, should. Yeah. I've read like five of them in the last like two months, like sporadically. And nice. I read like a bunch from this series. I God, I can't even remember the name of the series. It's like Off Campus, I think. There's two. There's like Briar U and Off Campus. And I read like one of them. I think the Off Campus one. I read like four books from the series. And they're very good. The Smut is wonderful. But they're like college romance, which is just kind of funny at my age a little bit. Like, because <laughs> you're just like, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, like, so many things. Baby. Don't you have class <laughs> in the morning? Yeah, like... babies. yeah, don't you have class in the morning? Oh, my God. What do you know what love is? Jesus Christ. Um, But I also am like, way too much of it is embarrassingly relatable at times. Like, because they go to like all these parties and like all these like hookups. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so dumb. But definitely acted this way at like 20, 21 years old. And, but I was going to talk about one thing from them that really bothers me. And I've heard like other people critique about it, but they call, um, there's like weirdly this like divide between slut shaming and also like sexual awakening and acceptance. Like it's this weird Mm -hmm. thing because like, in the actual relationships in the like romance book they're like super into consent and into like accepting all like preferences of like sexual things but i mean i could go into detail but like it's like a lot of different examples of it but then the author calls these like so basically the main characters are these like hockey guys from this team and of course they're all like hot shit right well they have these Mm -hmm. like puck bunnies that like follow them and they literally call them puck bunnies and i think that is like a true term that is like used in the sport yes. but i know nothing about hockey so don't tell me why i was drawn to hockey romance but- it's the same thing as like a buckle bunny in cowboy yeah. Yeah, yes, culture yes, totally and the way the author like kind of talks about them sometimes like does rub me the wrong way because it's like she'll slut shame these like girls that they're sleeping with all the time and all of them are like right bitches and like rude and like mean to like the female main character Mm -hmm. and it just really rubs me the wrong way because like she treats the guy as if he's like done no wrong kind of but yeah could it be and so i haven't read these these books so you're gonna have to tell me yeah could it be that it's like to make a commentary on the um community where men are rewarded for sleeping lots of women with sleep for sleeping with lots of women and women are shunned for sleeping with a man who has slept with lots of women or sleeping with men at all and like enjoying sex or is it just like she's not communicating this in a healthy it doesn't feel like it's communicated in a healthy way a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's other things about, like, sexuality and stuff that are communi- communicated in a healthy way, like, that I really like in the book. But, like, and, like, not slut-shaming. So that's why it's really, like, weird. Because then there's this, like, side thing with these, like, and it's obviously to cause, like, drama. Because they're always, like, causing drama with the relationship going on. 
Mm -hmm. very entertaining but (laughs) i think that's like a really difficult line to tread in writing too is like if you want to make a commentary where wherein in your book um that kind of structure is played in where again like men are rewarded and women are shamed for sex you have it's a difficult line to tread where are you just pointing this out and making it so like yes this is an unfair dynamic or are you just feeding into an already unhealthy culture wherein we shame women for enjoying sex she's very clear about how the the guys are like also major sluts like and none of these like terms i'm using are using as like a slur like i like it's just how it's portrayed in the if book. you want to be a slut be a slut it's like <laughs> it shouldn't be something I, I think that you it's should be also like understood in hockey culture and maybe a lot of professional sports but to my knowledge especially hockey they fuck everyone yeah. that's what taylor has all said. the time she used to work in hockey with hockey yes. yeah <laughs> yeah i got that impression that is that's where i got my information from as well yeah. shout out yes. to Balancers. our editor taylor <laughs> she used yeah. to work with we Kane. love you taylor <laughs> yeah but like and then so there's one book in particular, which I loved the book. The story was just very entertaining and the smut was primo. But the guy, his name is <laughs> Dean. He's like, he's like talked about how he sleeps with literally anything with two legs. Like, and he's like, kind of could swing by and like all these things. Yeah. And like, I love how that's talked about for him, but it's like the girls, not the main character girls that they're like, getting together with but the other girls that they've previously slept with or dated are not talked about in the same way and it like drives me nuts anyway yeah that ran i did read another one not by the same author called icebreaker by hannah i that in my library it's a tbr wild hannah something i'll figure it out and we'll post it or something but highly recommend it was very good very quick read very sweet I feel like hockey <laughs> romances have been making their way around the bookish community because I've seen a lot of them lately. The guy like trains to figure skate with this like it's like a figure skater and a hockey player. So, you know, it's like all the classic. It's an enemies to lovers. Yeah, yeah, it is actually. I would say it is. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm also reading which you are too, Liz. So we can uh, slide that in. And Cars already read it. <laughs> and Cars already read it. But um all their astral lights by okay quinn castlin um i love their handle it is so unique and clever but their handle is at conjuring quinn it's cute quinn i've and i've talked to quinn like over dms and they're a very sweet human being oh my gosh Um, the sweetest person yeah yeah so I'm also reading their book and I have a lot of it highlighted and underlined and I'm only 161 pages. The book in total is that, is that the epilogue? Yes. Uh, 460. I'm hoping to finish it by like Monday or Tuesday. I feel like that's an achievable goal. Um, it's very, it's also thick. It's very reasonably yeah. thick. <laughs> There's a lot of um, world building in the beginning. There's multiple character povs, um, which can be, I don't want to say, like, Quinn does not write confusing things in the sense that, like, they don't make sense to the book. Um, And I talked to them about this, but I think it's, like, 
it's a lot of intentional confusing where like you're not supposed to understand this right now. Um, yeah, because like the characters as they're going through the story, they don't have all the information. They have slivers. Oh, yeah. It's it's whatever information the character has. That's the only information that you have. So you just kind of like you're yeah. confused. You're confused, and you figure stuff out together. It's confused. a lovely journey. The names, the names are gonna fuck me when we do a episode review on this. Um, I, know. I seriously, the whole time I was like, when you were like, I'm gonna read it too with you. I was like, this is gonna be hilarious. As I'm like reading yeah. through the book, like, I already warned Quinn <laughs> that like I'm so sorry. I apologize in advance. I'm gonna fuck up every single one of your character names, but know that I love them. Um, I'm also, so I'm reading that currently right now. I'm reading a couple of things right now, but that's like the main one I'm trying to focus on. Um, I recently read the, we have to talk about it cause it's an alien romance, the Clinician series by Victoria Aveline. It is a six book series. I highly recommend this series. My favorite one is the last one is called Choosing Maxu, M-A-X-U. Um, in my head, it's Maxu. I'm sorry, Victoria, if you ever hear this and I said it wrong. Um, I, book six just, I caught book six, like, right as it came out. It's just published, and I'm mad because I already want the next book. Um, it's my favorite, because let me, <laughs> okay, um, if you like stalker romances, <laughs> you might like this, because there's a misunderstanding with the main alien, Maxu. He thinks that his mate knows that they're mates. And she doesn't because she's, like, new to this planet. And so he thinks that she has abandoned him. And he's like, I'm going to find her. So he eventually tracks her down. I'm going to give a minor spoiler because I just can't give it to myself. So he, like, finds the place that she's been because she's going on this, like, human tour with a couple other humans to, like, show the aliens of the planet, like, this is what humans are like because eventually they want to get earth upgraded to a planet that they can travel to and they can like see the humans that want to go home can go home and like the new humans can come and help fix the planet because of course the aliens are suffering a uh, lack of females on their planet and he like finds what i'm gonna just call a hotel room that she stayed in and earlier, when she had been there, she had used a pillow for her funsy time. And he oh my God. finds the pillow, he smells her scent, and he takes the pillow and keeps it with him, as well as, like, other things that she's touched. Um, and when they later meet, she doesn't know about any of this for a long time. And when she finds out about the pillow, she tries to take it back. And he's like, I think I'll keep it. God. And it's like, it sounds really bad and invading. And like, in real life, this would not be acceptable. Blah, blah, blah. He's an alien. But so it's okay. It's no, there's lives. There's always lives. In the book, I was just like, oh, this poor man. Like, beyond that point at, at this stage. No, let's accept that aliens cannot hold up to human, um, like, what is acceptable for humans, okay? Let's just give them that. They have different rules. And when we get invaded by aliens, let's just all remember that, okay? Uh, so, it was... A, I enjoyed the whole series. I read all six books in, like, three days. Um, really good. I also want to read, for my TBR, 
I have a few on my TBR. One of them is a Forbidden Fate, which is by a fellow bookstagrammer named Kaven. I don't have my glasses. Kaven Herning. You might know her because she makes a lot of Cassian reels oh, and like Akatar reels. <laughs> fucking the hilarious. <laughs> um, so good. I think her her Instagram is like Craven something. Um, we'll yeah, link it. it. And then also on my TBR, uh, I have an arc read for it. It's Mistletoe and Mofongo. I might be saying that wrong. And that's by our friend Lyra Blake. I've never read a holiday book before, except for like one novella last year yeah. that I didn't even, I was like, this is stupid. But I am really excited to read this one. Um, so I will be reading that and talking about it. Oh, wait. I have I have TBR books too. Uh, oh, I yes, forgot to get say on TBR. just just two. Sorry, because one of them one of them, Liz, you'll want to know. But the the Ooh. first one is called. Hold on, now I need to look. It's called A Flame of Shadow, and that is by Amara Calderini. And that one is a second book in a trilogy. Um, Tide of Darkness was the first one, and it was so good. And it was very um, it's like fantasy, but also post apocalyptic dystopian. So Ooh. it was great. But then Tide also. Of yeah, Tide, Tide of Darkness. Of Darkness. It was okay, lovely. Right and the second one comes out next week. And then the next thing on my TBR is called The Unbeating Heart. And that one um, I was recommended to by Taylor, our editor, because she also edited this book. And she mm. told me that immediately I need to read it because it's everything that I love. Um, and it's a cult book. It's a <gasps> cult fantasy. Book. Oh! It's a fantasy cult book. And it's just supposedly, I have been told, beautifully violent. And that is called um, The Unbeating Heart by Saran. I think that's how you say their name, Saran Farangray. And um, Siren or Saran. But um, is there there romance in this cult book? Yes, there is. There is spice. (laughs) And I have I've been told that it's going to be a lovely ride. Okay, I keep saying lovely. It's going to be very dark, which for yeah, me equates to lovely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so just a fantasy, culty uh, romance. And I'm super excited for it. And yeah, so if anybody else also likes fantasy cults, I've never read one before, but I'm very excited for it. I like um, the yeah. idea of the post-apocalyptic. Like oh my god, that fantasy. one was so good. I love that. Oh my god, I love it's, dystopian reads. Yes. That's why I love the beta yes. by Rachel Cohn. It's a YA, but it's so good. Oh, I shouldn't oh, say but. It's probably. a YA, and it's so good. Yeah, and it's amazing. Love it. Okay. Involved in that, though, I think, personally. <laughs> I love YA. I'm not hating on it, but there's a time and a place for some good old smut. Just saying. There's a time, right? Yes. Time and a place okay. is here and now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always, pretty much. <laughs> Speaking of smut. Nice. Speaking of, <laughs> Bree just held up her copy of Leeds. Oh, I'm holding Hold up on. my copy. Ah! I have an adventure Carly copy. Getting her copy. Before we get into a little bit of a chaotic Liz and Bree with Car intermittently uh, getting asked of a peppering of questions, uh, recap of this lovely, beautiful book by Carissa Hardcastle. <sighs> You're um, asking me to use my memory, and that's already poor. This book is great. Also, the bent over the desk scene. Anybody else think about that a lot? <laughs> Just think I of what you could have. <laughs> Would you like to know something super fun? 
Yes, I would. Always. That seat almost got removed. Absolutely okay. not. Who suggested that? And can I hunt me? it down? It was <laughs> me who suggested it. Because I was like, is there too much smut? So I asked Taylor. I was no. like, is there too much smut? Because I don't know if there's too much smut. And she was like, don't you dare. Uh, said, okay. <laughs> there's no such thing. She saved the no desk. She saved the desk sex. The desk sex was necessary to the plot, okay? Okay. <laughs> it, it, lit- it literally <laughs> pushed the plot forward. Yeah, I, I, liked, really did. I liked the dialogue around it, so I was like, I'm going to have to figure out how to keep the dialogue, but I don't know if the sex needs to be there, but I, it stayed, and we're better. everyone's better for it. Dance, so really. I'm going to try and <laughs> summarize like the opening to this book. So, okay. Let me just... Well, me Liz, just... shall we read the... Um, we could read the synopsis first, and then oh, like, okay. go into... So this is what is written on the back of the book of leaves. When it comes to fate, where is the line between being predestined and being condemned? Miriam was born a regular girl in a mundane world. Malian is a fey prince whose family is charged with guarding the gate that binds every existence together. Both of their lives were forever changed when they met in the woods as children, sparking a bond in their souls deeper than either of them understood. Now as an adult, Miriam has spent the last seven years securing her place in the magical realm Malian calls home. She has built a reputation as a formidable mercenary, working to prove her merit outside of her friendship with the second-born prince and navigating her ever-growing feelings for his older brother. When a pattern of strange disappearances and gruesome murders appear, she and the mercenaries she runs with are hired by the crown to hunt down and eradicate those responsible. But as it becomes evident that the darkness they're chasing is not of this realm what starts as a routine job becomes a fight for survival and a mission to protect the powerful magic that resides within their world it's weird to me hearing my book summarized even though i did write that synopsis it took a long time and sometimes i still forget what the book is about and i'm like oh yeah no that's it that's it an adventure that is what this book is about and I would say very act like it's an if you like a book that has a lot of action from like chapter to chapter, it, it pretty it has quite a bit of action. I thought so, didn't you, Liz? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um yeah. I think every chapter is designed to push you forward. And that's yeah, that's what makes it such a page turner. Also, question. I have one question to start this off with that I, um, oh, reader to reader, Car, why and do you hate us? <laughs> okay, reader to reader. Um, okay. Also, this, obviously, spoilers in this. Uh, uh, spo- spoilers? Yes. Okay. So, spoilers, if you so. have not, if you have not read the book and you want to go in unspoiled, probably not. Stop here. Not the podcast oh, anymore the podcast for this. To to. So. Originally, the story was supposed to go not a lot differently, but like, like we were going to meet here anyway, but we were supposed to like hook a left and instead we went right. So Oren was never supposed to exist. Yeah. It was supposed to be. Yeah. I was trying to think of. Can I ask um, you if he was originally going to die? Like, 
I didn't know if that he was, was never going to be. Yeah, he was never going to be a thing that. at all. Yeah. So <laughs> I was trying to figure out Molly because I knew that he needed to grow up like without not not as one of those princes who's like, eh, I don't want the crown, but like fully like he had no responsibility to it at all. Like he didn't feel any of that weight. And that's the way that he needed to grow up. So I was like, well, I don't know how this is supposed to be designed. And then I realized that Miriam also needed things to push her out of her own trauma. And I was like, so they both really just need to hurt. So Oren, Oren was only, only he became a thing because he needed to die. And that was his only purpose. It was heartbreaking. Ever. It was heartbreaking. He needed to be good, like the epitome of lawful good. And he needed to die. Well, I, I was going to get into that, too, because I think when I think of Oren, and I can't remember what quotes I picked out or if I was just thinking about this when I was, like, looking around at what I highlighted. But he is, like, like what you just said came through because he is, like, pure, like, to the very end. Like, yeah. when he's, like... He is the knight in shining armor. He was very much inspired. Well, there was a lot of things that inspired him. Um, but one of them, like one, I'll call it like a fifth of his personality and like his law system was very Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> like, I'm going to do what needs to be yeah. done, and yeah. but I'm also hot. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He is hot. <laughs> okay. And, oh, I just think Oren has this fantastic sense of looking past the rough edges that Mary... um presents in order to protect herself and he's just like no 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 fuck that shit let me let me look at you I quit and like dude. you don't I need to do what this you're trying me. to do and it's bullshit so and just yeah stop. and you're too cute when you do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's not working okay <laughs> yes i wanted to kill okay i wanted to kill Miriam like 90 percent of the time love her also yeah, no, she her. is absolutely, <laughs> oh, and I love that too, because like, she, even though she is one of the main characters, and this book specifically was a lot of her story, yeah, she's not, she is not perfect in any way, shape, or form, and she has a lot of, a lot of growing to do, and a lot of rough edges, and like, yeah, so you know, she needed people who were going to, like, not put up with her shit and be like, you know what? We all have trauma, so quit making yours oh everybody God. else's problem. Every time she's talking to Oren and she is being herself, I want to just scream because he's so sweet. He is so understanding. And he's just, and you're, like, screaming at her to be like, dude, he doesn't care. Like, he knows. She's like, he's cool yeah. with it. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, she is very, to be very yeah, but it's so good Sometimes. because you, you do see her grow towards the end. And I, I see that there is, you know, it's yeah. part of what's she, coming. She had and, a lot of learning and she had a lot of, she had to figure out how to, how to stop hiding behind her trauma. Yeah. Even though if you asked her, she would be like, no, I'm totally past everything. Like, clearly, yeah. ma'am, you are not. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't need you, therapy. You need yeah. therapy, you son of yeah. a bitch. Yeah. I have access. Exactly. 
hurt you somehow. <laughs> uh, yes. But like, even though like rest in peace, Oren, I was very sad when you died. I have such high hopes for Rovin. Like if something oh, doesn't happen, like, Oh, see, he pissed me off at first. I was like, you are such know, a little prick. Um, but one of the things that I really want to touch on, well, it's going to be a whole conversation. I love, so yes, there is romance in this book. Yes, there is spice. One of the things I greatly appreciated throughout the entire book was the relationship that Molly and Mary had. Obviously, they're like souls yeah. are yeah. one, but they rely on each other so much. And it's never, you never even get a hint of a whisper of it being like, a romantic relationship unless other people are like oh oh so you're just fucking both princes now and it's like shut the fuck up you don't know you shit know that, like, and i love how literally. well they balance each other like yeah. i loved seeing their relationship and even though they went so long apart from each other it was just like they they know and their souls like you know that they're supposed yeah. to be together but never in the way of romantics and you can rely on someone that heavily and be so intertwined in another person and not be romantically involved in them it's really like it's like a friendship soulmates which is what they are like, yeah. and it's something that i adored reading throughout the entire fucking thing and like molly is not weak at all i think a lot of people might maybe initially i kind of thought he might be ended up being a little puss and just letting like Mary protect him a lot. But like he hooked me pretty easily on. No offense, Car. I was just like, is he gonna be a little soft boy? Like, like I have nothing against soft boys, but is he gonna end up being a little soft boy? He is no. a soft boy though. I think he's a soft boy, but I don't think that in like a he can't he's protect himself or anything. He's, he's soft, not soft. weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's like, yeah. So soft and not weak. He definitely has like his own. What? Is, what am I thinking of? Like, like he's firm. He's got a back. He's got a backbone, and like yeah. he yeah. he does still have his own self outside still, of Miriam. Yeah. They just are together, and he like, he's less he's less bitey than she is. She he has less teeth, or he just doesn't show them as often. <laughs> yeah, I think Molly will first want to see the good in people whereas Mary yeah. will instantly go to suspicion but Molly yeah. is more open to like seeing the kindness I think he's just he's yeah. more optimistic he's just he is a nugget he's a nugget <laughs> he's to a me, nugget. like reading it and then like all the way to the end when obviously he changes and has to kind of step up and do this thing that he never thought he would ever do and mm -hmm. I you very you're very good at hinting throughout the book that he is not sure of what his purpose is. Like, why does he yeah. exist? Like, that's clear. He, he and Well, he, he was the spare to the air. Yeah. Like, he's like, well, okay, so I, I'm, this is rare. I'm not really supposed to be here, but yet here I am. Yeah, like everybody has a purpose this, and he's just floating. Yeah, yeah. I have this power. What do I do with it? And yeah. all, Yeah. But at the end, this is how you know he's not weak because at the end he like really is like he steps up to the plate and is like he doesn't yeah. want to. It's clear he doesn't want to, but Yes. He has <laughs> he does. no interest in it and he's like, fuck, this is my life now. Oh god, okay. Oops. But trauma wise, he lost both of his siblings. His parents bought lost two of their children that they'd been like training their 
for hundreds of years, right? Or something? Yeah. How old is Oren? Oren is when oh no, when Oren dies, he's twenty nine. Okay, so he's he is just five thirty. Yeah, no, but but Gracia, but Gracia was old. She was not old. Okay, because they live to be like 500, 600 years. So she's not old, old. Right. But there's a good, hold on, I did put it in there. There's here. a gap. I have to, she was 146. So okay. yeah. there's a good like 110 so. years between them. <laughs> I like her. I like Gracia. I, like, I think you live in your fucking ice castle, lady. You go pray. Like, you do. You, she was the first one to be like, fuck this shit. I don't want to do this. I have a calling. Like, yeah, she's like, I, I am here doing my thing. I don't know why everybody's trying to bug me. Um, and very bad with social cues, but also, like, I hoped there was enough in there just to she show, She cares like, so deeply for her brothers. Yeah. That so she, deeply. She isn't just a bitch. She's just like, I'm here and you guys are all, like, your problems are so mundane. And I'm here trying to make sure the universe doesn't fall apart. I... Yeah, no, that came through for sure. And then she's like, yeah. also here, eat a mushroom or an edible. <laughs> yeah. Let me drug no, like, you. <laughs> calling Mare on her shit was, like, one of the best things to me. Because it had oh, to be no. someone who was close enough to understand everything that mare was to molly but it also someone who could see everything else and be like do you are you really listen open your fucking eyes this is why nobody not why nobody likes you but this is why certain people hate you let me drug you yeah. for my own Has entertainment no and then, you? yeah and then she's like here mellow out take some drugs mellow out. <laughs> and she's like as mare is like freaking out on the floor and Everyone comes in and is like, what the fuck? She's like, just take a joke. Like, honestly, like, she's going to be fine. fine. <laughs> like, it'll wear off. It's fine. Oh, I love yeah. her. I do. She's Eat some bread, golden. okay? <laughs> have some what, carbs. She didn't like her up. She didn't have fun? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's strange. Not my that's fault. strange. <laughs> I'm having a great time. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh she just God. needed. She was ruining my vibe, and my chakras unaligned because of her. So I was fixing the sick yes. situation. Okay. Okay. So how did you come up with this idea? And like, like, what was the inspiration? What initiated like, leaves? leaves? Okay, yeah, so we all have our thing, right? So what was yes. the thing? Um, my initiation of leaves was, um, I had a dream about people puddling on a boat but it was like i don't remember where they were going they were on some like major event not so much adventure as they had like a task to complete but they were puddling on a bunk in a boat on their way to like defeat whatever they needed to defeat but i remember the feeling that it was just completely platonic like there was no any sort of ounce of like romance or sexual tension at all between them just like this really intense closeness and that stayed with me for a few days and then um so molly and mare were born from there and i knew that i needed a story where it, it was that platonic soulmate collection collection okay that platonic soulmate connection was the basis of it all and then it just kind of grew from there i just threw in stuff initially that i liked and then they started finally telling the story kind of on their own and yeah, but it all started, oh, it all so started, it is Miriam and Molly's story, Molly's story. So you mean how, how Mers is for you? Is that what I'm gathering? <laughs> like on that trip, I was like, oh yeah, they are like two pieces of a soul. 
All right. She, she is a bit of my tether, yes. <laughs> but this, She's kind was... of your Molly. You know, in a way, in a way, yes, which is really wild because that's something that totally like, like, obviously I didn't, I hadn't met her when I started riding leaves and then it just became like, like it was weird. Like I wasn't even looking for any soul connections either. I was just like, this feels important. And then lo and behold, she just happens to be 20 miles away. I'm like, oh, hey. That's when it yeah. happens, huh, Liz? Yeah. Funny how it yeah, You know? <laughs> we just got a couple tethers. thousand miles between us. Just a couple thousand. It's all. No biggie. Just a Canadian border. (laughs) (laughs) Just a Canadian border. So with the, because there are a lot of like friendship dynamics within this book, because you have Mary's relationship with Molly, her relationship Mm. with the Rangers, her relationship with her fellow Mercs. Was there any particular um relationships that you struggled to like connect throughout the book maybe not even with uh Miriam but with other characters I think the the hardest one to figure out was how Molly and related to all the pe- everyone else around um because he like obviously Molly and had had mare and that was the most important thing and then leaves is also a lot of her background, like every flashback obviously is her history. So you get so much of her. Um, so finding the way that he related to everyone else, especially being a prince. So like the way that Farrick treats him compared to the way he treats Miriam and like the way that Robin treats him, the way compared to the way he treats Miriam. And then even like with the Mercs, because clearly they would know him because they're close to Mare, but he's also a prince. So he's not just hanging out with a band of murderers for hire essentially (laughs) (laughs) well Um, and mary kind of has the opposing problem where she's afraid of like only being known as the princess yeah yeah like and that was where a lot of her thing with the with the mercs came in is because like she needed to be her own person like it was very important it's very important and it's pivotal that she has this relationship with molly but at the same time she still needs to be her own person and So her finding something outside of Molly, which is what so many people saw her as only like she just she's just this human who showed up one day and is living in the castle and eating their food. And they're like, "Okay, well, she's just here with the second prince. And that's that's her purpose. And she's like, no, I have skills. I can be useful. Um, and then her relationship with the Mercs even changed, like, draft to draft, mostly through the first draft. I don't know what Leo's problem was, but Leonidas initially was very bitey with her. And I think it's because I didn't know who he was so much yet. And so there was a lot of, like, the very first draft where he would just, like, bring up her relationship with Molly as, like, a negative thing whenever it was, it came to anything between, like, the Crown and the Mercenaries wherever she there was like a weird line there and he's like oh well i don't know he would start fights and i'm like i don't understand what's happening then i got to know him better and those all changed and now he does not have a problem with her but he did initially and i was it was weird to figure out i don't know why he was so angry but we got it taken care of um but yeah so just bottom line molly's molly's relationships with everybody else was interesting to figure out because they also needed to be there what 
scene or what chapter or part did you write first initially? And then, but that's like, it's like two part though. Cause like, do you, do you also, are you a pantser? I feel like you, I've heard that you are. I feel like that's come up in conversation for maybe. Okay. I don't yeah. know. So, so the first thing that I wrote was, I think the very, very, very first thing that I wrote for Leaves, it ended up not being in the book at all. And it was a scene between Molly and Miriam. And it was before that was their names even. I think Molly was Molly Ark with oh, like a CH at the end. And then before I knew Mare's name, she was Asher, which does not fit her at all. <laughs> but there, there were like a few... It was only like a few thousand words where she was Asher. And then I went in and changed it once I had her name. But um, so it was a scene between them. And it was right after she started training with the Mercs. And she's like injured because they're training. So she's got like bruises on her legs and stuff. And he's like, you're still being hurt. And she's like, no, but this is because like they're actually we're actually fighting. Like when she was with the Rangers, no one would no one would duel with her. No one would like if they were paying her attention, it was to be mean. And like. She's like, no, this is a good thing. Like, I'm actually learning things and it's great. So that was, a, it was like a first, like 800 words that I wrote was that scene between them where he's like, I feel bad that you don't feel like you have a place here. And then I wrote the prologue, which was them meeting as children. And I wrote that high as a kite. And it initially, <laughs> it yes. initially had so much um, of a language that does not exist. I had them having a full conversation where Malian was speaking in common. So it was like nonsense language. And then it would be like Miriam trying to figure out what he was saying and then like <laughs> replying in English. And then he's trying to figure out what she's saying. And it was a weird back and forth. And then I think the third thing I wrote, well, not the third thing I wrote, but like very soon after that, I wrote when Miriam was drunk and sad. And Robin is, like, making sure she doesn't die. Loved that chapter. Like, so I truly fell in love with this book after Oren died. That sounds weird, but, like, the whole chunk after was, like... Yeah. That's where a lot of the growth of, is for both yes. Molly and Mare. And you need everything before that to build up why the growth is there. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, glad it's... that you, I'm glad that you feel that way because I know that it was a lot of trauma to just throw at people, and I was terrified about it. But I also knew that like that's the way this story had to go. Like there yeah. was no not having it in there. So I'm glad. And then with that being like the panzer versus plotter thing, um, it's a little bit of both. Like, like the plot, I knew there had to be that soul connection, and I knew I wanted something terrible to be happening that she had to fix. And then I knew at the end, actually, the ending changed a little bit okay. as I was going. But it, the end was, now we have a bigger job to do. And yeah. yeah. And then, so it's half plotted, but then, like, those, that the course we take to get there is completely just, it, it's open to the flow. I, so, I think it really tied everything nice together. Like, Obviously, I'm still upset and it was terrible to read, but the whole 
scenes with Mullion and Miriam, you realize you built up to like where they get to a point where they really need each other. And it's not really like, oh, you're never concerned that it's going to like break them, but it feels like it's a breaking moment or a turning point to a, yeah. in a way. Like, I don't really know how to describe it exactly, but like <laughs> I got to that point and I was like, okay, first of all, I'm finally feeling a little bit of compassion for Miriam. Not that I didn't because her childhood <laughs> and her background is terrible, but like, yeah seeing her break like kind of made me understand like exactly why she needed to be the way she was if that makes yeah. sense yeah she <laughs> and was then just with very robin and everything like yeah 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 so it was yeah like she she had a lot she was very spiky um and kind like there was a reason there but like it was a reason in her own head and not anything that was should have been everybody else's problem right but then yeah all of that growth of or at least the beginning of the growth of her figuring out like um kind of like her place but then yeah she and molly have have that where hopefully you see a lot more that they there is a point to the way that they are connected and that builds a lot stronger in mountains. And Gracia said it a little bit where she was like, there's a reason that out of all of us, he's the one that got him ahead because not everybody does. And it's good that yeah. it's him. And it's hopefully starting to curve into a build of this is this is why. He needs it. So it's important. Yeah. yeah. Something's coming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I think that really came through. I love, like, I'm very excited to see what happens with Molly in the second book because he was a weird, he was a very surprising, like, one favorite character for me. I, because, like, I don't, I don't typically like the, like, he's very sweet. He's very uh -huh. loyal. He's very, like, sunshiny to a point. Like, I wouldn't say he's a sunshine character, but he's... He's very lackadaisical with everything because he was never, like, he never had any constraints, really. So he's just like, eh, I'm here for a good time, and I don't know what else is happening. Bothered. He is unbothered. Unbothered. There it is. Yes. <laughs> he gets a lot more of an edge in books, too, because ruling a country yes. will do that to you. But yeah, because he's no longer unbothered. It's a little stressful. <laughs> he no no longer is bothered. unbothered. He has all the bothers. Yes, he is very bothered. He kind of has to be bothered. Yes, he does. Which I worry, in that extent, I worry about poor little Molly, about what that stress is going to do to him. I know. But I love to have yeah. my heart broken. That's why the most excruciating chapters of the book were my favorite. <laughs> oh, uh, don't analyze that, please. I will not. <laughs> but I will not. <laughs> So on that note, what was the most unexpected thing you wrote? Or did the we most... ask that? No, we didn't. Oh, okay, cool. So the most <laughs> yeah. unexpected thing was, um, in a way, a lot of the banter with the Mercs, because a few of them are very chaotic, like Aaliyah and Campbell specifically, and then a little bit of Callista. I was never really quite sure when I was doing a Merc scene what was going to happen. I was just like, okay, cool, we need to get to this point. And then whatever came out of their mouths just came out of their mouths. 
So like that whole scene where Aaliyah unintentionally asks Leo to be her sugar daddy in the way of bringing bringing dessert. Yes. <laughs> that just <laughs> appeared. And so I was like, great. Um, so a, a lot of their banter was unexpected just in the way that I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was just like, you guys have fun. And then with that, the scene where um, one random guard just like pushes Campbell and then Leonidas sees it and goes off on him. Yes. Something about like, you'll need your sister for help to jerk off or something like that. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) That was pure Leo. It was like, welcome, sir. Um, You're a protective fucker. Got it. Oh, thank you for being that here. Part, he was yeah. a little drunk. Was he a little drunk? I can't remember if he, he was. He was. was. Yeah, he was. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was. He was a little drunk, and he was gonna go see the new baby birds in the aviary because that is his mm-hmm. favorite thing. In he the world. just wanted to see the baby birds. He just yes. wanted to see the he baby. He just birds. wanted to see. He wanted to see these baby birds. I think they were owls, if I remember. Yeah, they were. And yeah. Mare's like, "Great, let's go see Leonidas, who is." typically this very stoic person that does not show a lot of emotion. Let's go see him drunk around baby birds because it'll be the most fantastic thing ever. And then instead you see him assault a guard for assaulting his boyfriend. And I As he you know should. it's fair. As he yeah. should. He just yeah. wants to see the baby birds. That's all he oh wanted. Let him see the fucking baby birds. Please. Swift um, does not relate. Do you think... <laughs> Do you think you drew on a lot of personal experience for this book, Car? Not in the sense of like fighting a guard. <laughs> I actually have guard? I have extensive demon fighting um, background. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. a lot of people know. I'm no, sure. I'm kidding. So I've seen your card. <laughs> so initially, I took the course. <laughs> so initially, I didn't think that I drew on a lot of personal experience at all like it felt like just telling a story but then I went back and I read and I'm also I do not write linearly at all like when a scene is in my head I will write that and then I'll jump around and figure out where to put it into the plot so after I had the first draft complete and I went back through from the beginning and read it in order as I was editing I realized that I had a lot of trauma that I never acknowledged so really? all, all of the, yeah. all of the like the, the the attachment like the anxious attachment yeah attachment issues I was like yeah. damn that is a call out wow yeah. um so in that respect a lot of like the fan the found family and the way that like they as far as Mare and Molly being like bonded together in that soul tie that can like never be taken away all that stuff. Not that it pulls from personal experience, but it, it does, it does like, toss a rock at yeah. my own random trauma that's not that heavy yeah. at all. But um, in that respect, yes. It's not an exact reflection, but it's inspired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I see a lot yeah. of, like, fear in Mary, too. Not to, yeah. I'm not, this is not, like, a call-out to you, Car. This is just, like, for the character. This is a call-out to Miriam. Um, I think I see a lot of fear for her. First, like, this fear of Mary coming, never coming back. And also, like, she has shitty parents who mm-hmm. don't, like, f- fuck her parents. Um, yes. And so, like, that fear of being left alone in this world where 
there's no one there's no system of support for her and then she gets to a place where she can have a system and she's so afraid of being listed as like categorized as this one thing you are the prince's pet basically and like that is your sole usefulness i think she has a big fear of like being regarded as unuseful or like Mm -hmm. that she's only this one thing but Miriam is this whole spectrum and she cares so deeply for the people that she does care about and she's so like fiercely loyal to the bone for like the people that she has I don't want to say indoctrinated because it's not indoctrination but like integrated into her life and into Mm -hmm. her system and like she you kind of have to force Miriam to let to like allow herself to lean on people because i think she just wants to be the protector for everyone and she doesn't want to like admit that sometimes you need to be protected or like you need to be supported um and that's why she's a real character like she never had that before molly like and i know she's known like molly in like his whole life but like she didn't have anyone to like lean on anyone she had to lean on was like not not reliable in any way shape or form until him and then he disappears for like what how long eight years ten years yeah it was like seven or eight years yeah Yeah, i think it was like seven years that they were apart yeah like she's got some issues (laughs) deep inside (laughs) well and so does molly oh yeah Uh uh-huh yeah as growing up where you come from a family where everybody has their life already pre-mapped out like based on your birth you know what what your purpose is in life and you feel a connection to that like Gracia has always felt that connection to the gate and to Entumbra and to being like this is where I belong and Orin has always known I'm gonna be king so everything that I'm doing growing up it's to build me into a better king and then Molly's just like hey I make pretty knives (laughs) sometimes (laughs) sometimes I eat mushrooms (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I go and talk to these mercs, yeah. and they're really not bad guys if you just talk to them a little. <laughs> if you just say, hey, I don't know, they're kind of cool. But yeah, I'm glad that you got all of like that depth to Miriam, and, and that is yeah. a lot of the reason why she's not like 100% all the time a lovable character, or I'll say a likable character. Um, likeable. Just because, she's lovable. Yeah. Yeah. But there's there's times where you're going to be frustrated with her or annoyed or be like, ma'am, get your fucking head out of your ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, you just kind of want to throttle her a little bit. And it is all rooted in that that fear that she has of being untethered to anything and like not having anything to fall back on or of being seen as only just this one thing. And if that gets stripped away, what else is she like, yeah. you know? And I think that's what makes a good main character is, like, you don't always agree with Miriam's actions. And you don't always think that they're the right way to do things. But if you see, like, you still understand why she's making the decisions she's making, even if you don't agree with them. Like, the scene where she is wandering around drunk as shit after Oren dies. And she's just, like, that is, that would be my reaction. I feel like I'd just be like, yes. fuck off. Like, let me have my drink. Fuck off. I'm going to sit on this roof and I'm, yeah, I'm going to sit on this 
fucking roof and I'm gonna drink yes. my fucking drink and leave me alone. Like that is like that she reacts with anger and heartbreak, and I feel yeah. that on a deep personal level. And Rovin's like, yeah. I'm just trying to make sure you don't end up passed out in an alleyway. Like, can you please just follow me? Can you please, just please? Stop? so mad? He's like, listen, your your best friend is now going to be my king, and if he finds out that I left you here to yeah. die, maybe I don't know. You could run into the street and get run over by a horse. Like that's gonna be my ass on the line. And then also like his frustration with the way that she's acting because nobody knows that she's going through this heavy trauma because she's yeah. a dumbass and didn't tell anybody that didn't she tell was anybody things. so nobody understands aside from Molly nobody understands what is happening and so just to see her reaction like in the middle of like the country is still in crisis there are still bad things happening and then she's just out here drinking the night away and dancing and Robin is like, what is, what is your fucking problem? Like, go home, sleep it off. I understand we need to let out steam sometimes, but this is, you have crossed a line, leave. And then she's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. He's like, I just spent so much time and energy so you wouldn't fucking die. Like, can we just please stop right now? Like, <laughs> And we, I want to go home. I have work in the morning. Yeah. I want to go yeah. home. <laughs> and I yeah. think you pulled... Orin at the perfect time for that reason because it was like just when she was yeah. ready to be like I will do yep. this with you and then he fucking dies and then old Orin he... you mean he she murdered him <laughs> just killed him <laughs> you know he yeah that was um... rest in peace who buddy so well, I guess one of our questions was favorite scene in the book so we talked about drunk mare that oh. was yeah is that the drunk mary you're talking about yeah that so that was one of my one. favorite scenes to write and i think because like that was also the first one that i wrote the entire thing in one sitting um i got this idea for it at work where she is heartbroken and robin sees her not knowing it and it's him trying to be like what is happening and that's where he learns that she has all this trauma um so that's the first one that I sat down and wrote. Yeah. And it changed a lot through there, but like the main theme of it stayed the same. So that was one of my favorite scenes to write. And then personally for me, that's one of my favorite scenes that like, in the sense of when I read it, I feel things, um, which does not happen a lot the way it's supposed to in the book. Cause I, especially writing it was way too close to everything. So yeah. yeah, I love that. I love the way that it came out and I love what it does for both Rob's growth and for Mare's growth. And my other favorite scene I wrote at the end of Nano last year and that was the mushrooms when she gets high. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that and that that's actually one of the only places in the book that I did pull from personal experience and not that <laughs> same personal experience like I have never had a bad trip. I have so like the back half where she's like this is great and everything's pretty but just like the way that her senses were doing things, that was all all personal experience. And then I just threw her trauma into the middle of it. It's accurate. It it's like it's, I loved the descriptions that you put in there. Like I loved reading that whole scene too, because it, Is that your favorite? No, I wouldn't say I really liked after Orin dies, which is like so weird to say in a sentence, but like that the whole consecutive scenes of her Mainly her drunk scene and, like, the couple chapters, like, 
before and after kind of that whole section was my favorite but because it hit emotionally in a very uh terrible and wonderful way <laughs> but this mushroom scene was uh entertaining in a different way who, who people have told me um it was Murs and my dad told me <laughs> that when they hit the mushroom scene is when they really felt like I hit my stride as a storyteller. Yeah. And they're nice. like, that was it. And that's when I fell into the book. And especially hearing that from my dad, yeah. who has never done drugs. A proud father. I was like, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Well, it does <laughs> reflect mushrooms in a sense, because there's an enlightenment period that occurs where everything just kind of falls into place and connects. Yeah. And you just fall into balance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really love the shroom scene. I also really love the uh dynamic we get when um it's like when it's Miriam and Molly's parents especially uh his mom I had a really difficult time with Molly's mom I don't remember her name I'm sorry Virginia um, Virginia Virginia, nah, Virginia. so mm -hmm. she is a very interesting woman to me especially coming at it from a maternal perspective She's very suspicious of Miriam and and uh and her intentions in general, I think. Um correct me if I'm wrong, because I'll it's been a minute since I've read leaves. She didn't want uh she didn't allow yeah, she didn't allow uh Mary to go to Orin's funeral and that fucked me up oh, a little she bit. She did not. No, she did she not. She did not. That made me really angry, but I could also see like she didn't know the relationship they had until yeah. it was kind of too late. Um yes. and so I can see her seeing Miriam as a person that's caused a lot of like distress or pain and not wanting that around your child. And I think she loves her children very fiercely and very deeply. She doesn't know how to communicate that love in like a way other than like, these are your roles. Please stick to them so we know that you're alive. Like, yeah, it was always like whenever they were paired together and they were having a scene together, I was like, give me my fucking popcorn. Like some shit's gonna happen here. Or is she queen of Sekka and completely indifferent? Or however you, is it Sekka? Sekka, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Or is she just completely indifferent? Is she just like, well, who's this bitch who came I mean, she, so she understands that Miriam is connected to Molly. And she un knows that. But she also, at the same time, is very much, <clears throat> she's very much a monarch. And she's like, I have, I have a whole country to rule. And I have all these things to keep in place. And I need you to stay out of the way and like not purposefully start wars because I don't have time for it and it's very childish and I'm trying <laughs> to retire damn it yeah she's like I was just about ready to hand over my fucking crown and then look, look at all this stuff Jeez. that's happening and that's why like it was a very harsh ruling for her not to be able to go like when they laid Orin to rest um but makes sense in the sense that like, Regenia did not know that Orin had this deep relationship with her at the time. Um, and all she saw was, like, okay, you came back. You literally attacked the captain of the guard and, like, tried to choke him. We all have our and bad that, days. <laughs> she's like, that is really it. That is a punishable offense. Like, that's punishable by death because he's, like, 
on the rankings of who's the most important people in Seca, Farrick is Farrick is up there, like underneath the right underneath the royal family. So she's like, you can't just come in here and be like attacking those people. So like, stay back until you cool off. I don't know what your problem is, and yeah. And then Mare's like, I will sink into a giant depression hole. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and the scene where she like tries to tell Regina, I always want to say Regina, like vagina, um, uh, that like, no, like I loved your son and I loved him deeply. That was fucking soul crushing for me because you can just sense, you can like feel Miriam's distress of like, I don't get my final goodbye. And oftentimes like in death, you don't get a final goodbye. Like, but, um. I think she just had, she, like I said, she loves her children deeply, but she loves them as long, not as long, but like she presents it in a way, I love you as long as you're doing what I need you to be doing and what I told you to be doing. Yeah, She's like, these are the roles that you have in life. And like, I'm just here, like my job isn't to be here to be your friend. It's to be here and like teach you how to do what the, what the world is going to need of you. I think in the end, she's trying to, like, set them up for success as, like, so yeah. when I die, I know that you're taken care of. It comes off yeah. very controlling, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's not She's not the world's best mother. And she's definitely not the worst. Um, I would like to say she gets a little bit better, but it is only a, a little bit better. Because once you're a certain age, I think you just don't know how to open up all the way. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 a few butting heads actually uh in only two real scenes in mountains but a couple where she's again like grinding against what everyone else is trying to like free flow and she's like no 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 and it's but we we learn and we grow and she also gets a little bit of growth it's just not as big because she's I mean do we really care about her it's <laughs> That sounds I mean, so mean, I do. No, but it's true. I do. We care about her, and she is important, as she is the one that is now guarding the gate. But if she had her story, and this is not it. If she had her way, everyone would still be fucking alive, okay? I mean, honestly. Maybe. Do you want to go first with your quotes, Bree? Did you find some? Did you find some? I have, I have two. Okay. So this yeah. one, uh, this first one is... You see your brokenness as something to hide, but I see how it made you strong. I fucking... The symphony came together when I read that line. Because I think, like, often, especially in today's society where we... Like, I was raised in the generation of people growing up on technology, right? Like, I was a 2000 baby. Fucking, I know the whole internet shudders when I say 2000. But, um, like, we're raised in this social media generation where you can post this idyllic life and you can hide all of the deep dark bits of you in different ways than you could in like the 80s the 90s even the early 2000s like we can present this part of our these only the parts of ourselves that we want people to see and you can hide away the rest and i think um mariam tries really hard to hide any part of her that isn't deemed worthy and I think she often needs to be reminded that, like, your brokenness does not make you weak. Those fractures are there to help you grow. Like, you have to break some shit before you grow at all. Yeah. So I really like that line. 
And then I have to do scrolling for a minute to find the other one. So if you want to read one, Brie, you can go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I had a couple um, just random ones. So basically, I had a highlighter. I read this book a lot at work, which was terrible when I was reading the death and like all the terribly sad scenes, but um, also great because I just had to like stoically kind of sit at my desk and be like, what the fuck is going on? But uh, (laughs) anyway. I have these two and so I had a highlighter and I was going through and I had the most random shit highlighted and you know when you're reading a book you're like why did I highlight that so you're like reading like why was this important what was on my (laughs) brain while I was doing this but some great ones in there like one is like early on Oren says magic knows the difference between coercion and consent so a lot of like what I highlighted was like little like snippet kind of like zingers (laughs) you know like that to me is kind of like a zinger it's like also like insight into Orin and the magic Mm. of the world and like his connection to the magic of the world and like yeah I liked it a lot I love because like your magical world is kind of mysterious like we kind we you and you kind of slowly show us conversations of like between people that give us some information but like it seems to me that there is a lot of magic in the world that's not truly understood by the the fae or the high fae either, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, okay. it's that is that is that is accurate. It is or, very yeah. we know basically what Molly knows. Which is especially when he is explaining things as an eight year old, not a lot. Is this what is known or is this just what Molly knows? Is this what his parent knows? parents know? Do they know more? Does Oren know more? I'm sure they do, but like, you know, like. Um, there might have, at one point there were people who knew more, but a lot of it is information that's not just given. You have to look for very specific things to find it all. Um, and we do find some other things eventually, but it's all very like. Yeah, like if if there's something that no one has been like, there's a reason you need to know this. It was never taught, and so there's a lot of holes missing in in what is known about the way the magic works. I like that. It's like, but it's not confusing. I don't think it makes things yeah. confusing. Yeah. And then my other little snippet was something from Mo- Molly, and it says it was in case you haven't. In case, and it was too mare, but it was, in case you haven't met you, you're a fl- flighty little fucker when it comes to anything involving feelings. <laughs> Just kind of nails Accurate. her down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, well, I also have one that like pretty <laughs> aptly summarizes Miriam. And it's she's talking to Molly and it goes, uh, since when do you play the hero? The mood strikes randomly. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. And then on a serious note, towards, like, the end, when shit's going down, right before Oren dies, I just love when he's, like, he thinks about how, I, this is so an Oren little snippet paragraph, because he goes, he was a male irrevocably devoted to the woman in front of him. A thought flickered briefly through his mind, but he had never thanked Malian for bringing her into his life. Like, he goes to thanking his brother He's like, oh, fuck, I didn't say thank you to Malian. Like, while he's, like, 
demon possessed and like fighting for his life. Anyway, yeah. Miriam had more tenacity, more fire than anyone he'd ever met, Faye or otherwise. She was also not afraid to love fiercely despite the broke, twisted parts that she tried so desperately to hide from the world. So he, it's just, he, to the very end, he is Orin. Yeah. He was Orin Stonebane, and he would not yield to the darkness being thrust upon him. Like, that man. To the, to the T. I have two more, yeah. actually, because I get, I just can't stop myself. So this one is, <laughs> this one is where she's like, if I read back a few pages, uh, she, she like, I have the memory span of a two-year-old on crack cocaine. Uh, she's talking to, she's saying her goodbyes to Oren. Oren's passed. Yeah. And it's when she's saying her goodbyes and she says, this line almost made me fucking cry, Car. Um, more than any of that. I guess I just need to tell you that I love you. I would give anything to have you back, but I can't hurt forever. And here's the, here's the kicker. Just please, please forgive me when the day finally comes that I wake up and my first thought isn't of you. That yeah, shit that hurt me in yeah. places. I was like, do I have a lover that died and I'm like, <laughs> thinking of them right now that I don't know about? That shit hurt me past good. Life. That was past, past life. Past life. Yeah. <laughs> and then fucking I just saw this bitch. Where is it? Here it is. <laughs> this is with um Aaliyah and Cody. Uh and they're arguing because they do that a lot. Uh that's a suicide <laughs> mission. Is... Oh. Yeah, I do. I love their bickering. It's what is lovely to hear. What's the line? It's like uh, I think Campbell says it. He's like she fucked the fae or she or she fucked the ranger she fucked the ranger (laughs) i just love that part what's going on she fucked the ranger yeah (laughs) this is a that's a suicide mission if i've ever heard of one Aaliyah countered is that concern in your voice little merc cody turned his gaze to her running a thumb over his bottom lip Hard to be concerned about some dumb fae bastard whose name I don't even know, Aaliyah answered flippantly. Cody's eyes lit with something bordering on ravenous. Do you have the bite to back up that bark? Like, they're just always kneeling at each other, and I, I'm excited for yes. book two. I'm excited for them in book two. I, they have such a great arc in book two. I, I think so. Um, and Cody drove a lot of... Cody drove so much like i didn't expect him to but whenever anybody else didn't want to play along and everyone's like i don't really want to do this he would be like hey let me hop in and i'll push everybody and he just so lovely it's lovely (laughs) so how much different is it to write book two versus book one because obviously i mean you flew through this book i feel like i feel like the yeah this book just came out i know it didn't at the end of july yeah and it so Initially, it was hard because, like, I had to get out of the, like, the editing mindset where everything that I was writing, I would immediately go back and pick it apart with, like, word Mm -hmm. choice and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I had to teach myself to get back to fix it in post. And then once I did that, it was weirdly, like, I think because the whole time I was writing Leaves, I understood that there was a second half to this story that needed to be told. So I had already knowledge of, like, yeah. Like when I built in Aaliyah's trauma, I knew that that was going to connect into this book. And yeah. like with all these little hints at Molly having magic that is deeper than what anyone has ever acknowledged, 
I knew that that was for a different purpose. And so like, I already had the little bits and pieces thrown in. And then after that, it was just like, also now that I know like all the major players aside from like, I think there's like two or three new additions that are like Mm -hmm. important side characters. But aside from them, like I already know everybody, which is so helpful. So like, yeah, every scene Like, yeah. I I no longer have to question, like, who is this person or how are they responding to this or why are they responding this way? I already know them. So I'm like, thanks. Go run off. And that has been such a help. Um, I'm excited for that. Moment. I could see that for book two because I've already written, like, a lot of book. Yeah. First draft book two. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like, once you kind of have them established a bit more... Yeah, once you know who the characters are. And I also write very character-driven, too, though. Like, I have a knowledge of, like, this is the story that I want to tell, but how we get there is up to the characters. So knowing the characters when you're writing a character-driven story makes things so much easier. Yeah, I would agree. Once you know them, they're there, and you can just... Yeah. Since we're talking about book two, do you have anything that you could tease us with? I, do we want her to describe the book in three words first or the yes. tease first? Tease after. Yeah, we'll okay. tease after. We'll, we'll okay. tease after and then we'll go into FMKs. Perfect. Okay. Uh, three words to describe mountains will crumble. Uh, violence, power, and connection. Why do I have nice. a lump in my throat? Why? <laughs> no, see, I already have this planned out. I'm going to win book two drops for pre-orders and like... It's a few days from being in my hands. I'm going to reread Leaves. So that way I can just have a mass destruction moment of like so much hair okay. all at once. At the, la- the end of this book, ugh, it's like a little bit like, I mean, the whole the epilogue of Leaves. <laughs> Are you talking yeah, about the epilogue of Leaves? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that, that epilogue. Is. Don't say casually card the epilogue and leaves. Oh yeah, that one. Oh, you mean that shit? Yeah, that. <laughs> oh shit. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is that's um, <laughs> I, yeah, he's important. This this demon yeah. king, this yeah. jewel, yeah, as he is called. Do um, you think he might just be a little bit important? Really, he might be a little <laughs> bit important. He was unaware. <laughs> I was unaware that when you drop a whole nother realm at us in the epilogue. Here I am saying that I have like two new side characters that are half important. And there's also, I will say, and I mean, obviously, if you've read Leaves, you've read the epilogue, you know there is this demon realm, the people that came in from last time, they're still not gone. So there are five, yes. Mm -hmm. So there are five demons also that are important in the sense that they're- Casually. Yeah, just casually important. Casually gonna try and fuck shit up, yeah. and yeah, they're they're great. Mm. So there's really seven new, seven seven new characters. Yes. Do you have any idea of when you might feel like you maybe this might come out, or is that too am, far in the future? I am shooting for May. Cool. Which keep is, your eyes peeled yeah. for May. Yeah, I'm shooting for May, and then as I get a better hold on on everything else, I'll try and pick like a solid date. But um, yeah, I I'm 
I'm hoping to God that I finish the first draft by next week because I do only have less than four chapters because three of those chapters already have little bits and pieces in them. And if I could just write the last, if I could write the end, first draft would be done and then we could go back and fix everything. But um, and you can keep we'll up to happens. date on the progress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can keep up to date on Car's progress by following her on Instagram uh, at Car underscore the author. She does have a fantastic sticky note board um, that you can get hints of what this chapter might involve with one word and try and piece it together like I do. I've got my my mental uh, red yarn trying to figure out what that one word means. (laughs) Connecting some dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teaser. Give us a teaser. So, teaser... (laughs) Um, I will, let me see how, I could just, I guess I could just read it all. And then if you want to cut to it, you, free, babe. You can. Yeah. Okay. Read it, read it all for research purposes. And <laughs> Okay. I will read the first portion of this prologue. As and much or as little as you want to expose. Perfect. Yeah. And then I'll leave out the back ends that I, that needs a lot of working. And also a disclaimer, it is heavy first draft. Nothing has been edited since I first wrote it. Um, so if there is repeti- re- repetitive words, all that stuff, it, it will fix. This is subject to change. But as of now, first draft prologue. Huh, here we go. Give us the tea, sis. Here, here's the tea. Long, long ago, when classism ruled Sekka, there lived a powerful fae who fell in love with a human. The Fae was a commander in the Royal Guard, and even rumored to be the next captain of the Guard. He was a ranger. He couldn't have been captain. A log in the fire cracked, shooting embers into the air. Flames danced in the wind, casting shadows across the clearing. Aaliyah glared at the male on the other side of the flames. He was rumored to be the next captain, she reiterated, gaze moving back to the fire and unfocusing as she talked. Her fingers absently splayed through the short, soft curls of the ranger whose head rested in her lap. He and the human married, but had to keep it a secret due to the aforementioned classism. Because of his status, he was able to secure his wife a position in the castle as handmaid to the queen. No, she was already the queen's handmaid. That's how they met in the first place. Aaliyah's fingers stilled, her eyes rolling to the sky. New rule, take a shot every time Campbell interrupts. I'm just, where did I go? I'm just trying to keep the historical accuracy. Campbell touched a hand to his chest defensively, but still brought his cup up with the other and took a long swing of swig of mead. It's a legend, Dickweed. It's famously not historically accurate, Aaliyah scowled. Cody raised a cup into her line of vision, amusement dancing in his bicolored eyes as she took it without glancing down. Where do you think legends come from, smart one? They're all based in history. Do you need me to define base for you, Antlerhead? Aaliyah turned to look pleadingly at Leonidas, who sat next to Campbell. The human raised his arms, covered in colorful tattoos depicting various birds, his palms out. Nope, I am not involved. While Aaliyah and Campbell continued bickering, panic surveyed the clearing on the outskirts of Umbra in which they sat. He was perched in the boughs of a pine, close enough to see and hear everything, but far enough away from the fire's light as to stay hidden in the shadows. A field mouse crept crept cautiously toward the edge of the clearing, little nose twitching as it smelled the food the people had brought with them. Panic took half a second to look back to Leonidas. The man hadn't given him, given him any specific commands and was clearly occupied with the others, 
and that was enough for the peregrine falcon. Tucking his wings, Panic dove from the tree, stretching out his feet and flaring his wings just before he hit the ground. Scooping the mouse up in his talons, Panic squeezed, snapping its neck before it even had a chance to squeak, and flying back up to perch in the tree. As I was saying, the human girl was a handmaid to the queen, and the two became very close friends. A wet rip cut through the air as Panic tore the head from the field mouse, tipping his head back to swallow. Aaliyah's eyes flicked up to him for a brief moment, but she didn't falter in her story. Before long, both the human and the queen she served fell pregnant. It was an arduous time for both of them, but they had each other to lean on, as well as their husbands. During the course of her pregnancy, the human told the queen of her husband's status as a commander and shared her worries for the discrimination their child would encounter. Humans were considered lower-class citizens because of their inability to wield magic, but to be half-human was even worse. What abomination to desecrate a phase pure bloodline. Aaliyah's voice remained clear as she talked, but Cody squeezed her thigh just the same, aware of the half-phase traumatized past. Panic had made quick work of his mouse and was now settled deeply on the branch, feathers puffed against the slight chill of the late summer air as he listened to the tale. He couldn't understand any of the words, of course, but he understood the cadence of the voices below him. Their easy camaraderie always put him at ease, and he would go into much the same sort of trance as anyone when a story was being told, content to be here with his people and absorbing their happiness. The queen vowed to keep the child's halfling heritage a secret and to ensure that it always had a place in court. Before long, both babies were born. The queen's secondborn was a girl, heir to the throne of Seca. The human's child was a boy. Sadly, the human died shortly after childbirth. No, she didn't. She stayed working for the queen, but never claimed the child as her own as to better hide its parentage, Campbell interjected. Leonidas and Cody raised their drinks the ranger lifting his head from Aaliyah's lap in an unsuccessful attempt not to spill down the front of his shirt. Aaliyah swallowed the rest of her mead, wiping a hand over the back of her mouth as she continued without comment to the antlered male's interjection. And the half-fay and the princess were raised together. They were best friends and decided when they were merely five years old that there would never be anyone else for either of them. The whims of children are often fleeting, but their bond held true, their love for one another growing and maturing as they did. They married in secret at 24, right before the princess went off to Entumbra to study the gate for five long years. Panic's head dipped as Aaliyah's voice lulled him into a light sleep. It would only take but a snap of Leonidas's fingers, and he'd be awake and alert. But for now, he let himself drift, feeling the wind in his feathers and the slight pull of the planet's magnetic poles as birds do with the changing seasons. Follow the warmth. A part of his mind whispered, but a stronger, much louder part of him knew that he would never leave Leonidas. The Falcon appreciated all of the mercenaries, but he loved Leonidas. Campbell and Miriam, too, but to a much lesser degree. Panic stirred slightly at the thought of the blonde girl. He looked around the clearing, but already knew she wasn't there. It felt like ages since she'd come back to coo pretty things at him and feed him scraps of meat. Though she'd never lived full-time at the Merc house, she'd been an almost constant presence for years until suddenly she just wasn't. Miriam still came by, of course, but less frequently, and Panic was disgruntled to realize that he missed her. They kept their marriage a secret for years and years and years. They never even bonded because they didn't trust a fey tattooer to keep their secret for them, and the humans of Earth were still much spread out and distrusting of strangers. After 200 years together, they both longed for a child and decided to accept the risk regardless of the possibility it could be born without magic, Aaliyah continued, unaware of Panic's brooding in the tree above. The now queen eventually gave birth to a prince. He had her dark skin, white hair, and green eyes, but only time would tell what magic he possessed, if any. 
His name was Dane, and this is his legend. Storytelling works better if you say what it's about in the beginning. Campbell couldn't help mumbling the interjection, already bringing his drink to his lips. And there's the first portion of the uh, prologue. Oh, I love, love that. it. I love panics, Pav. Yeah, just a little baby the bird. The best co-pilot. He's so salty. I didn't know that that was also going to have a bit of a, of a Cody. Uh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. So Cody, Cody so is there. accurately. <laughs> We thought right. (laughs) They are, I I will say, they are heavily a thing, and it has been so fun. I love for them. They're like they're feral. Yeah, I'm excited to see more Cody because I feel like we know Aaliyah. We definitely know Aaliyah more. So like, yeah, you get a lot of a lot. Cody has a pretty big arc in the second one because he. I'm not sure in Leaves if I knew he was going to be important until until he and he Aaliyah had that little spark. And then I was like, oh, I guess you will stick around. Yep, you yes. need to stay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's time for FMK. Okay, so round one of this four-round FMK. We'll start off with Oren, Mare, and Molly, FMK. Easy. Fucking easy for me. Kill Mare. Marry Molly. Fuck Oren. <gasps> Ideally. <laughs> the one time we agree, Bree. I don't want to kill Mare, but like. By that. So I think Molly and I would have a very healthy marriage and we could just be like companions to each other in life. Yeah. And then like I would have a little side piece, probably Mare. Um but you're to- later. Well, you know, let's just say that, like, I disband her, okay? Actually, okay. Uh, you know, Rovin is a good option as well. Um, uh, side and piece? Yeah, side piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or- and then Oren just seems like like great fucking time, literally. And that, unfortunately, means I have to kill Mare. Yeah. I, I think... I am, I am there with you guys. I think in this instance, it would be really? Mary Molly... Kill Mare. Fuck Oren. I think this is the first time this has ever happened. <laughs> oh, I yeah. Well, I think we're going to have some disagreements down the line. There will probably oh, be. Oh, yeah. I could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, what? number two. Mm-hmm. Oren, Molly, Robin. Robin. That's how you say Robin. it. Robin? Yeah. Robin. Okay. Oren, Molly, Robin. Okay. Um, I, I would go... I... Okay. I'd still marry Molly. I would. I would kill Oren, and fuck Rob. I would, yeah. Okay, that's an option. There's a there's an option. That's I'm with you on that. I'm on the fence about killing, or no, I'm on the fence about fucking. No, I'm on the fence about fucking <laughs> or marrying Robin. I, I would marry Robin. There's no reason. I would marry I'm Robin. Mary I would Robin. kill Mary. Yeah. And I would fuck Oren again. Because the first time wasn't so enough. You're kill- so you're killing you're Molly? Kill- I'm killing Molly. I'm sorry, Molly. Oh. Damn. Yeah. I don't say that lightly either. Like, what? I don't want to kill him, but it's the only option left. But Rovin, I feel like we would have a great marriage and I could fuck him all the time because we're married. Yeah. 
That's true. Uh, a marriage with Molly would not be very uh, sexually. Oh, there would active. be no fucking. <laughs> there would be some hand holding and some some cuddling. Maybe you would have some great fucking cuddles, and that's yeah. that's that's the extent of that. Physical. A kiss on the Please. cheek if he was comfortable with it. Oh yeah. Okay. So yes. I okay. Yes, I see where you're going there. <laughs> yeah. If you were married to Robin, you would all you that would be a sexually active marriage more than likely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think okay. I'm gonna go with kill Orin. Okay. In this particular scenario. Fuck Robin. Marry Molly still. Molly's yeah. just I just feel like I can never give Robin. the option to fuck Molly because I Molly wouldn't be into it. <laughs> it would be a very uncomfortable situation to be in. And I mean, there are asexual people who have sex with their partners yeah. because that's like an important part of the dynamic. But like, yeah. I, I want Molly to be enthusiastic, you know? And yeah. I feel like if he yeah. was a lover of of sexual intimacy, he would be very enthusiastic. I imagine he would uh, uh, have praise. Like, he would give lots of yeah. praise. He'd, um, he'd, be a, he'd be a great lover if if he ever wanted to try it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just not for him, and that's okay. Yeah. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. Yep. Doesn't yep, have to is. be. You want to announce <laughs> round three, Car? <laughs> yes, round three. We have Miriam, Aaliyah, and Callista. This one's hard oh, for me. Oh, I still am going to kill Mare. Or it's because I already, like, really grew. She grew yeah. on me at the end. Yeah, so if there were no growth, I feel like it would be a pain. But, um... For book one, Mare, book one, Mare, I definitely would not want to be married to her. Uh, <laughs> no offense. Love her. But I would not want to marry her. <laughs> the problem is I love all these characters, so I don't want to kill any of them. Um, I think I would marry Aaliyah because I feel like she could tell me bedtime stories. And, um, like, I, I just love the way her brain works. So I think yeah. I'd marry her. I would fuck Mare because... Like she would pillow princess me. I feel like she'd be very dominant. Um, <laughs> and I would say yes, ma'am. And like, I think I could keep up with her. Honestly, yeah, I I have that cockiness about myself. You I think could. I could be just enough of a brat to yeah. bring out like the predator. Um, so I'd fuck her because damn, is she delicious? Especially when she brings out those axes. Which means I have to yeah. kill Callista, and I don't want to do that. Poor buddy. It's okay. Mm. She had a good life. <laughs> she had a good run. I think I'll, yeah, kill Mare, fuck Aaliyah, and marry Callista, because she has a lot of useful skills. In she she would make department. a good wife. She, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, She's no, she, think of the, the flowers. You could yeah. bring you flowers every day if I you're really into like flowers. Plants. Yeah. We yeah, could live in the jungle, in the forest, <laughs> wherever she fucking wants to go sleep. We could go cuddle up together in a bush. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. I don't want to do that, that, is that every where night. She's sleeping, right? <laughs> yeah. Cuddled yes. up in a bush. Yeah. She's just, you know, she makes her own. She makes her own bed out of whatever yeah, nature branch, gives her. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and see, yeah. that's where I draw the line. I need. I need. You my don't want to sleep outside. I need You're my blanket. I like sleeping Mary outside. Does. Like I like sleeping under the stars, but like eventually but I'm not be, like every day. Like I have back problems. Yeah. Like I am a human, goddammit. Mary would definitely accommodate you in that regard, I think. 
Because I would just be on my back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she would just keep me on my back the whole time. It'd be fine. On my back or on my knees, and I'm sure she'd kiss them better later. Like oh, my knees. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay. Um, four. Oh. Round four. You got it, Liz. Okay. Roven, Cody. Be Remind me who Bellamy is. I'm sorry. Oh, Bellamy is. Yeah. He didn't show up until like the last third of the book. He's a ranger. He's like a very newly minted ranger. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen The Last Kingdom. Yeah. But his appearance, not his personality or anything like that, but just appearance wise. Very much Sig Trigger. Oh. That yeah. means nothing to me. <laughs> okay. I will send you a picture. Me. Yeah, I will oh, send you a okay. picture. I see. Oh, he he's Here. he's the ranger that's nice to Mare, right? Yeah, he's the ranger who's yeah, like okay. new, so he has no beef with her because he doesn't he have any of her as a mercenary. Yeah, and then okay. like, I when she's having now. her problems, he's like, I'm here. And then yeah. she travels with him a lot because since he is a high fae, he can glamour people. And he's yeah. always like, wow, what is all this stuff? This is wild. And she's like, yeah, I have a task. <laughs> I remember he's him really now. Excitable. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, It was just the had, name that got me. He's yeah. with her when she, like, gets Raiden. Raiden. Raiden? Yeah. And, like, yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm excited for, like, that. Yeah. Interaction. Yes. But he, he, yeah, he didn't show up until the last third of the book. And I didn't know he was showing up. The ranger needed a name. Because I couldn't just keep saying, like, oh, and ranger. this other ranger. So I was like, you get a name. And then he was like, great, I'm sticking around. And I love him to death. So I love he's welcome. Yeah, belly little boy. belly. I loved him. Yeah. Okay. Yes. okay now that so I remember Ro who he is, Robin, I enjoyed him. Robin, Cody, and Bellamy. I, and he, there's, there's a system here. I, I, would, I would fuck Robin. I'd marry mm -hmm. Bellamy. And I, I would kill Cody only because he's the last option. And also, I I know what his kinks are. <laughs> they oh. are not mine. <laughs> okay, okay. And there's no judgment because it's great. Yeah. And I love I love that for him. But they're not mine. <laughs> and there we are. Go ahead, Brie. Robin, definitely fuck. That's just a From the get-go, was in love with him. Even when he's a huge ass dick. But you just saw something. Sometimes we love an asshole, though. Ugh, love an asshole. Such an asshole. And, like, he honestly, also gets, you he know how background. I feel about Mare. You know yeah. how I feel about Mare. So she kind of fucking deserved it sometimes. <laughs> yes. He, he has Not never... really, but... <laughs> he's never broken to what she needed. He's like, yeah. this is the world. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. ask to be here any more than you did. Yeah, exactly. And he has a point. Like... He has struggled. He has fought for his spot. And Mare did kind of just show up. I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it, but she did just kind of show up. <laughs> mm, I, I have opinions about that, though. I know. You're she didn't ask to just show up there, though. Like, she yeah, didn't ask for it anymore. As far as joining the Rangers, though, that was her being like, I need something to do. Let me be a Ranger. And Molly was like, She's gonna sure. train with the Rangers. Yeah, and then Farrick was like, huh, "Excuse you, she is. but I can't <laughs> tell you, excuse you, because you are a prince." But what the fuck? That's not how I understand. That's not how I understand. 
I understand the privilege that she had in that situation, but also yeah. if she had tried to go to the, the traditional route, just because of her relations to the prince, I don't think they would have ever let her in. So, like, that oh, was her only it, way it was in. Yes, it was always rigged. It's rigged. Yeah. Either way, you win. You can't it's win. You can't win. No. Yeah. But yes. It's a thing. I, I, Anyways, who are you fucking and probably, who are you marrying and who are you killing? I'm Robin. I'm probably marrying Bellamy because I really like him. And again, just killing Cody because he's there. Like, <laughs> poor buddy. But I love him. I also too. love him. And like, he has been one of my favorite people to write in book yeah. two, but I'm sorry. I have everyone else, all the other slots are taken. Yeah, exactly. So I agree in the sense that, like, the person I want to die, or that is going to die, I don't want them to be dead. However, uh, Bellamy's going to die for me. I love him. However, Cody, I will marry because I need someone. I thoroughly enjoy, like, bickering. Not, like, arguing, but bickering in the sense, in the way that he does with Aaliyah. Yeah. Like, yeah. in my personal relationship, my fiancé and I bicker so much that people think we hate each other. And it's like, this is just how we communicate. Like, it's fine. You know, relax. It's that loving, like. Yeah. Like, we yes. always, someone always has to have the last word. Um, yes. Which sometimes can evolve into an argument. But, uh, like, so <laughs> I would, I would marry Cody because I need someone to keep me on my toes. I have ADHD. I'm easily distracted. Which is great because with your red hair, you could be Aaliyah. Just be like a little more bloodthirsty. I mean, I think I might just hide it a little better than Aaliyah. Actually, the reality is Liz heard kinks and she was like, okay, I'm going to marry him. <laughs> I did. Like, you said, you said uh, his kinks are not my kinks. And I said, I want to know what his kinks are. I'm a willing like participant. And then again, Rovin, I will f ride oh, you into the dawn, my dear. Those, like. Those moments. I feel like that authoritative tone yeah. is gonna make me shiver in places that he also just don't sounds normally hot. quiver like, like he that. Sounds you know, like my type, you know? my like, real type. He just yeah. he sounds like he would yeah. rearrange your organs. You can throw someone around a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love this, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> I love this. So that's our take you on your characters. You <laughs> Perfect and perfect. This the, I I wrote them. I did them at least a little bit of justice according to this conversation. So I'm happy. I'm glad we love your book. Again, it's Leaves May Fall by Carissa Hardcastle. Every every single time I hear it, like I still am like, oh my god, someone like my butt. It never gets old, and I am just. I will just sit here and cheese, and I'm like, I don't know what to say, but thank you. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Great job. Yeah. I loved, I hated. Thank you. I 10 out of 10. I thank laughed. You. Came and conquered. Came and conquered. My, <laughs> I am a full puddle, and I, am just, <laughs> I love this existence. <laughs> thank you. So you can follow Brie, like we said, at on Instagram at car underscore the author you can order her book on amazon uh you can read it through ku um you can follow us at brash.bookish.bitches on instagram we'll be posting there again we'll be having content for you and uh look out for 
Carr's next book coming out maybe in May. Possibly in May. Mountains will crumble. Mountains will crumble. Mountains will crumble. Yes. Yes, that is the the title came very, very it came with leaves. Leaves title took forever, but as soon as I had leaves, mountains was like, here I am. It rolls out. And then in our next episode, we will be talking about All Their Astral Lights by Quinn Caslin. Uh, so if you want to get a jump on that, read it so yeah. you know what we're talking about, go ahead and do that. We still have to finish it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for having me. It was lovely. We love you. I love you. Thank you.